that's the record button. Have we started? We have started. So this is the Meat for Tea cast. You might always start like that. Who knows? I'm Elizabeth McDuffie, founding editor of Meat for Tea, The Valley Review, and this is... I'm Mark Allen Miller, sidekick and uh, co-conspirator in Meat for Tea. Yeah, and I'm um, graphic designer and web guy and um, the host of the Cirques and a whole bunch of stuff. The hats, there are many. Hi everyone, this is Mark, here with another special bonus episode of the Meat for Tea cast. Season 3, episode 27, technically. But really what it is, is Elizabeth McDuffie on the Yellow Jackets podcast, No Book Club. It's part of the We Made This Network, wemadethisnetwork.com. Definitely check it out and the other great podcasts that they produce over there. So Elizabeth was a guest discussing Yellow Jackets, which uh, she actually has a bonus Patreon episode discussing Yellow Jackets with her friend Tara. And she was also on another podcast discussing Yellow Jackets, a podcast called The Antler Queens, where she was part of the Yellow Jackets fan panel. So that's a really good one to go look for as well. But I would say in the meantime, check out this excerpt from No Book Club. They're with the host, Matt Latham. And if you like what you hear, you can check out the whole episode and all of the other episodes of NoBookClubNetwork.com website or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. But let's get to it. Here's Elizabeth and Matt on No Book Club. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of No Book Club, a Yellow Jackets podcast only on the We Made This Podcast Network. I'm your host, again, Matt Latham, and today we're going to be talking about Shauna Shipman slash Sadecki slash Cannibal slash Lecter slash Norberg slash whatever she's called. Um, and my guest for this conversation is Elizabeth McDuffie from the Meet for Tea Valley Review. So how are you doing, Elizabeth? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. You've appeared on Miller Podcast, Bigger Disc in the past, talking about um, a tribal quest and low think, end theory. Yeah, yeah, and I think when and as I think as the No Book Club podcast was announced, you mentioned me going, "Oh my god, we've become addicted to <laughs> become addicted to Yellow Jackets as well." And I think you've been telling me that you've pretty much assimilated as much as you can from all over the place. And oh yes. Yeah, and um, you graciously sent me um, one of your Patreon specials, which about when you talked about your jackets, and you mentioned a bit about Shauna as well. And I says, and I invited you on to talk about Shauna, uh, and we'll, we'll get into Shauna a bit more detail later on. But um, I think my general, my first opening question would be, what are your general thoughts about Yellow Jackets as a series as a whole? I think it's absolutely brilliant. I think it's one of the few shows, even now in twenty twenty two. There aren't that many shows with really strong, nuanced female characters. And especially, um, it's rare to find strong, nuanced teenage girls. People that tend to cast teenage girls in very um, dimensional, one-dimensional roles, like the cheerleader, the popular girl, the slut, the burnout. Yeah, like the kind of tropes that you kind of like, you tick off 
Yeah. Right, right. And and this, um, we see these relationships between the young women and later as adults, as these fully developed, complex relationships. We see, like, for instance, between Shauna and Jackie, the way that being best friends has a whole bunch, a, a thick vein of hatred running through it. So I, I admire that complexity. I admire the writing. The writing is so snappy and so brilliant. The cinematography, the soundtrack, when are they going to put that out on vinyl <laughs> so I can buy it? <laughs> I mean, exactly at the moment. At the moment, I'm, I'm kind of like dipping in and out. With the, the closest they've got is is the playlist um, of season one songs, which is a mixture of period pieces and modern day stuff that they play throughout. Um, yeah, but definitely that they need to kind of collect. Put it, do a double disc on vinyl because yeah. some yeah. of us some of us collect that way. And I haven't bought any Yellow Jackets merch yet, but. I'm tempted. I just I did get myself a little T-shirt that just says Hornets, with which is kind of you know a little sidestep <laughs> away from Yellow Jackets. It's shipping now. Yeah. I, I admire um, also the casting is so brilliant that especially um, all the characters. Taisa's character, young Taisa, and adult Taisa, very believable. Shauna's character, uh, Sophie Nelise and Melanie Linsky. Sophie Nelise could be her niece or daughter. I mean, the facial similarities are huge. Um, obviously, Misty fucking Quigley. Yeah, so it's quite interesting to see, see how different people can approach approach it and approach this and um for example i think a lot of the appeal i think for myself kurt and tony has been the kind of more mystery box elements of it so because i yeah because yeah yeah it might surprise few people but we haven't we can't much relate to the teenage girl relationship aspect and it's been very interesting to watch but it's quite interesting to see how other people relate to it as well as that but so it's um particularly from what i've seen from other podcast other yellow jackets podcasts and stuff, how they relate to stuff and um yeah, so I find it's always interesting kind of how wide-reaching it is as a show to capture those different kind of little hooks for people. So, uh, right. Yeah. I, I should add that I do like the, the puzzle box aspect of it too, um, especially just following like the um, heart-shaped necklace mm-hmm. and who it's on. Uh, uh, there's another I've listened to, I think, Every single podcast about Yellow Jackets, it's available, like Canadian ones, just everything. But in, in one, I think it was from Podcastica, they call it um, Shekhov's Necklace, you know, instead of Shekhov's Gun. Yeah. <laughs> that Right. And it does seem to function that way. This show did things to me, too. Like, I never thought I'd shell out for a Vulture subscription. <laughs> but... And I, I never thought I'd be active on Reddit. <laughs> uh, the 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 Reddit for Yellow Jackets that that's its whole that's a whole other episode of the podcast because the, that's a the rabbit role, hole. Yeah, the role the role of Reddit with this show has been quite interesting, and um, I know people have like I know people kind of started rolling their eyes whenever any of us start referring to Lost, but um, when the whole mystery box aspect of that, the internet played a role. There's an internet community because it was message forums that played a role with Lost and the community and the kind of theories and stuff. And I feel like the the Yellow Jackets is kind of and Reddit is like that kind of the, the Gen Z, um, the, like the version of that kind of mystery box and 
like discussion aspects in the community that's beginning to form around that. Um, I, I'm, I'm a lurker for I'm a lurker on the um, on the uh, Reddit at the moment. I don't really. Me too. Yeah, but it's quite interesting just to see how different people interact and um, the kind of scale of the next question I'm about to ask you, Tiffany. So you can see how people lean towards one side and the other. And this leads to the question that we're going to ask every single guest. Uh, I'm not told, I'm not, I did warn you this was coming, but I didn't say what it is. So where do you lie on the, is it supernatural spectrum? So are you on the, are you a Matt or are you a Tony? Um, so if anyone's, uh, anyone's I listening. I have. No idea who, no idea what I'm talking about. Basically, I'm very much in the, I'm much more hoping it's more a psychological drama and a lot of the stuff is like based on perspective and um if you're not listening to any of the podcasts listen to them i've spent about 10 hours 10 to 20 hours talking about arguing this case um tony is much more on the it's there's ghosts and the afterlife and there's some definitely some supernatural so whereabouts on the spectrum do you do you think you are so are you more supernatural i'm a i'm a matt Okay, that's two. That's two out of two so far. So, uh, um, well, well, here's the thing: um, making a psychological thriller where um, the audience is strung along, thinking there might be something magical or mystical, but then the slow reveal and the slow reveal I've been seeing happening is that there's a logical, rational explanation for every single thing, and I just think from the job of the writers, it's more skillful to draw your viewers in that way. It just seems like kind of a cheap and easy shortcut to have, oh, well, it was magic, or oh, it was the supernatural, or oh, it was ghosts, any one of those facets of um, the supernatural. It it just seems like a, um, yeah, am I going to insult Ashley Lyles and Bart Nickerson by saying that, you know, if you take that route, you're kind of cheaping out. I, I kind of feel like that. Yeah. I think one of the things, particularly, I think, as the as the kind of tense conversations, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. the, kind of, so the tense conversation between me and Tony that we have, um, the war of attrition that's forming. Um, <laughs> and I think, but I, I do, I, I, I kind of, I do kind of, I'm, much, I'm actually kind of hoping that they never fully lean towards each other. Let, let, never fully lean towards it and they keep it quite ambiguous which means that like it will people will be debating it long past its end date um so yeah so that might be maintaining it loggerheads for like forever um but um i quite like the idea that it's at the moment it's it's very deliberately ambiguous mm-hmm. there is yeah and i hope it stays that way because then you can, anyone can argue the case and there'd be a lot less disappointment some people might be slightly ticked off there isn't confirmation but i i much rather have something that will leave people discussing a show past itself past its end date and i think that's the way it's going so like we'll have you'll probably have like 10 year retrospectives of the show still debating of whether it's supernatural or not and i'm hoping that's the way it goes and then i can still fight for my right fight for the corner <laughs> that it's not supernatural <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I think it was Freud who said that, um, I know it was Freud. Can I quote him verbatim? Ambiguity is the most commonly felt human emotion. It's it's the shared one. And ambiguity lies at the root of most good horror, including, you know, 
going all the way back to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, where you've got someone who's literally beside himself. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I love the ambiguity. I don't know why I can't say that word today, um, but I, it's rich. Talking about ambiguity, there's an interesting ambiguity between the character of Shauna Shipman slash Sadeki um, that we can like that we're going to go and grab a meat cleaver and carve into as if it was a rabbit that she found in her back garden. So, um, so, and one of the, one of the main questions I want to leave is leave with this as well, because when I was doing the kind of research, there's quite a lot of different aspects that I'm hoping that we'll be able to fit in for, fit in for the next 40, 45 minutes. And there's a lot of different aspects to do with Shauna, um, in this. So, is Shauna the closest thing that Yellow Jackets has to a central character? Because she seems to have quite a lot revolving around her. I think she is. And, um, you know, when the show begins, we we start seeing what happens action-wise through Shauna's point of view, through her eyes. And it's through her eyes that actually a lot of the narrative unfolds. So she's she's placed in that position. She's placed... She's the eyes through which we view everything and all the characters and relationships. Changes a bit, but um, predominantly, yeah, I think a lot of the action is seen through her eyes and a lot of it hinges on Shauna and her choices and her decisions and what she does. Yeah, because I think when you think about it, a lot of the the convergence of different storylines at the end become because of Shauna's actions with Adam, which we'll we'll talk about Adam um, a lot later on. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah, and I think a lot of the kind of like one of the main kind of focuses on like trauma and the PTSD and PTSD of um, the character is that I think because technically we we one of the first characters we do see is Jackie, so we we kind of meet Shauna through Jackie, and one of the points that Tony has made. Um, throughout the season is that Shauna in 2021 um, is very much a reaction to things that happened with Jackie in um, 1996 and uh, and a lot and what like the key relationship is between them and like whenever Shaun, like Jackie's ghost is pretty much uh, figuratively metaphorically kind of haunting Shauna throughout the throughout the show throughout the show so a lot of her different storylines um, throughout the season um, you, you you can kind of like see that like underlying guilt of what we eventually find out at the end of the season finale, and uh, what happened to Jackie and the guilt that she probably finds around that. Um, so a lot of the kind of a lot of the multi different the, the different storylines that Shauna finds herself in, the kind of relationship with Jackie is central to that. So, and I think that kind of like built that kind of boosts the argument that she could like be central character because of how much as you said revolves around her and how much of the key relationship, key relationship in with Jackie kind of impacts that later on right I think a lot of Shauna's motivations are both in 1996 and in 2021 a reaction to Jackie and my theory is she's even in her marriage with Jeff although in the finale we do see that they do love each other and boy is he a ride or die husband <laughs> like <laughs> damn yeah 
But, you know, I suspect that she came back when they got rescued and married Jeff because she had guilt over Jackie's demise. And so she got into this marriage. Why she got into this marriage and um, didn't pursue a degree or get a job, I don't know. Hmm. That's a big mystery. She's obviously a very intelligent woman. Interesting when you say about um, how she didn't like to do a degree and stuff. There's a very key scene in episode eight. Um... Flights of the Bumpy, which between um, adult Jackie, no, adult Shauna and Thaisa, where they talk about like what what their lives would have been like, and yes, um, yeah, and um, Shauna goes something goes, oh, I would have gone to France, I would have done this, this, and this, met Francois, and he would have been a mime. He would have mime a floppy haired yeah. mime. Yeah, from and she's like saying, yeah, so it's like I would have done this and this and this, and then Thaisa comes back saying, yeah, I would have done this, I would have done this, I would have done this, and then Shauna goes, yeah, but. You, you did, did those things. Yeah. And yeah. so, so like, I think that in that moment as well, like he was saying, like, Shauna can't use the kind of crash as an excuse that they didn't do something because Thaisa still did what she wanted to do. And and what I quite like, and what I quite like with um, Shauna is that she's living Jackie's life, which has been Tony's kind of main thing that he's been arguing. Um, so basically... Whatever in that final scene, in the final argument where Sean was saying that high school was the best your life's going to be, going to be, and the underlying she doesn't say, but underlying it's going to be, oh, you're going to be kind of like your soccer mom, just housewife, blah blah blah. And Sean has done that. Sean has now just pretty much been Jackie, right? Right. Yeah. I think Jackie's life is the cross that Shauna has decided to bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. her penance. And, yeah, and it's a penance and stuff, and. She kind of like felt felt like she was under the thumb a little with with Jackie, and then when she when she finally brings when she finally kind of asserts independence independence from it um, from Jackie, it leads to her kind of leads to her inadvertently um, leading, like basically causing a friend's death. Um, it would be a purely accident, but I'm assuming that she pretty much. I'm 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 assuming that we're going to see in season two a like a massive breakdown where she kind of blames herself, um, where Melanie Linsky kind of blames herself for Jackie's death or something. But um, yeah, so you can kind of so it kind of leads to saying that okay, Jackie's no longer going to have life that she's going to, like life, so she'll have it instead. Um, whether that was subconsciously or not, that kind of leads her to being kind of like trapped in a kind of unfulfilled kind of boring lull. Yeah, just yeah. A suburban housewife, which we we can see. In the visits with um, Jackie's parents, you know, that that's the role that Jackie was being groomed for. That's the role that her mother occupied. We can also see where Jackie gets her um, passive-aggressive <laughs> yeah. bitchiness because there's a direct genetic link from mother to daughter with that behavior pattern. Um, her mother is insufferable. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Whoa. Um and we can also see where um, Shauna's antipathy towards rabbits, it's not just that they're eating the stuff in her garden. Jackie's parents keep gifting her with a creepy rabbit after another creepy rabbit after another. She's got a collection of these things. So obviously she's going to want to decimate them and skin them nose to tail and <laughs> cook them up for dinner. And she's got some rage to take out on those bunnies. Yeah, and... Yeah, so she kind of feels kind of trapped and um, and kind of leads to a point that I'm pretty sure, a point that 
or an observation that pretty much came to me during episode nine or ten. I can't remember which one it was, but it was pretty much in my head. It kind of clicked in this where she doesn't. She kind of feels kind of like separate with no one, and she can't feel open or like lead the life that she wanted or be who be Shauna Shipman rather than kind of Shauna slash Jackie Taylor, um, and. I was I was always confused at the at the in the pilot where you see teenage Shauna um, and Jeff in the car and she just basically and basically the only time she kind of like reaches enjoyment was when um, Jeff basically had to lie to her and say that she loves her and then that kind of like sets her off like that was interesting kind of weird king type thing and I think it's because she kind of craves someone to understand her on a certain level and like know her deeply and i think um and i think that kind of bohemian lifestyle that she meant like she briefly mentioned in her kind of fantasy life with that she mentioned as Taisa, kind of like he's hinted at adam but then hinted at with adam um but then i think what happens i think with episode nine when she finds out that jeff kind of knows everything happened because of the journals and stuff she kind of then realizes that jeff knows who she actually is and is still there and that gives us some kind of connection and i think that's why she kind of shifts her perspective shifts with jeff in the last couple of episodes Mm -hmm. because then she kind of sees hang on someone sees me sees shauna not the the real shauna underneath this kind of facade of that she's been playing out for herself and i quite like the idea that she's she's trying to find she's been trying to find herself and that she kind of and someone who can see herself as well and i quite like how that unfolds yeah she locates herself in her husband's unconditional love for her even knowing everything that happened in the wilderness jeff still loves her and i think that's another reason why he's he's more shocked that there's no book club than he is that she has murdered a man that he takes pretty calmly but and also that that actor, um, the, Warren the, Cole. What, yeah, the, the range of emotions that registered on his face when she revealed that there's no book club that was <laughs> so impressive. You, you see the spectrum of like ten different emotions. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, and but I th- and I think retro- when when once you find out that. He's read those diaries and and he kind of understood, probably understood, understood kind of Shauna or whether she was capable of that already. It's um again that kind of leads to the weird kind of reigniting of their relationship. Um, but Callie thinks it's weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So okay, if we lean towards Adam, so Adam, the whole thing with Adam, um, I think at the time there's a there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff around that as well, which I'll probably like probably have a brief discussion about. But the idea that Adam um, turns up in like a kind of weird, meet cute, manic pixie, manic pixie dream boy, right, uh, right. Trope. I love that. I love that. Her floppy haired artist. Yeah, yeah. So it's like so she. This is the kind of the bohemian kind of. Um person that kind of like would kind of tick those boxes or is like the kind of person that I think she probably would have dreamed of meeting and kind of connecting with um with like or like Francois Francois the mime or the these different creative people that she said she wanted to mingle with. Um what are your general thoughts on Adam and Adam as a whole? Adam's interesting. 
I mean, Adam does seem like this real-life embodiment of her imagined teen girl fantasies for what her dream Mm -hmm. lover would be. And it's such a throwback to teenagerhood that, you know, this is 2021. There are smartphones. You don't need to sharpie your number on arms. (laughs) That's entirely unnecessary in the era of smartphones. So that's such a throwback to 96, to high school, to a guy getting your number, sharpening it on an arm. And, you know, that that whole embodiment of her teen fantasies continues in the way they date, in the whole miniature golf date, even getting someone to cop booze for them at the liquor Mm -hmm. store, which is ridiculous because obviously she probably wouldn't be carded. And uh, the way she delivers that line, too, when the fellow they get to buy the booze for them is like, is this a sex thing? And, well, it <laughs> could be. <laughs> it's just, uh, Melanie Linsky forever. It's just brilliant. Thanks for sticking around, checking it out. If you want to hear the whole episode, like I mentioned, you can go to wemadethisnetwork.com or find No Book Club anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Meet for Tea cast. We'll be back with season four. Episode one, pretty soon. It's going to be a good one. All right. Be well. The Meat for Tea cast is produced by Elizabeth McDuffie and Meat for Tea, The Valley Review. Mixed by Mark Allen Miller at Sewn Lab, East Hampton, Massachusetts. Visit Meat for Tea at www.meatfortea.com. Please consider going to anchor.fm to make a contribution through our contribution page. You can reach us through meetforteacast at gmail.com, or you can leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash meetforteacast. We welcome suggestions for contents for the Meet for Tea cast. If you've attended a Meet for Tea Cirque and want to hear from one of the bands or one of the spoken word contributors, please let us know. All portions are copyright Meet for Tea and their respective holders. Vote for Meat for Tea on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Elizabeth. Meat for Tea on Instagram. And on the Meat for Tea and Meat for Tea cast Facebook pages. Meat for Tea is available everywhere you get your favorite podcasts.